May 5th was Compassion Sunday at City of Life Church, and we had the opportunity to gain greater insight into the efforts of Compassion International, an organization dedicated to releasing children from poverty all over the world in Jesus' name. In addition to Pastor Jeff's sermon, we heard from Gerald Lorenzo, a successful Christian leader, business major, and father who was a product of the Lynx Compassion International goes to reach children in impoverished communities. We pray that you're blessed by the sermon today, and we ask that you consider sponsoring a child through Compassion. If you'd like more information, head to Compassion.com slash CityOfLifeFL. Enjoy this message from the City of Life Church podcast. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Um, what a blessing is to be here and to tell you my story as a Compassion alumni. Yes, I, I was a sponsor. I was a former sponsor child. And I'm pretty sure that everybody here knows what a roller coaster is because we are in Orlando. So if you know what a roller coaster is, let me tell you something. That was my life when I was a child. So when I was a child, my life was a roller coaster. When I was four years old, my father left the house, and my mother had to raise my brother and me all by herself. And from that age, I never knew what it was like to have a father. So everything changed in my life because I had to deal with extreme poverty, with no money to eat, no money to dress, and no money to have an education. Unfortunately, I grew up in a lousy neighborhood in Santo Domingo where drugs, illegal weapons, crime, and poverty were my daily bread. I saw how the traffickers were selling drugs in the corner by my house during my childhood. Do not having a father in your house or in your life, it is hard. But it is harder when you don't mean anything to your father. My father was a police officer. And he never called me to say hi or happy birthday. He never called me to say anything because he wanted, he never wanted to take care of me. I remember one day that I called my father and it was a raining day. And he asked me to pass by the police station to get some money to buy food. When I got to the police station, my father wasn't there. And I was waiting my father for nine hours, and he never showed up. Can you imagine a child, an 11 years old child, waiting for his father in a police station? That was me. One of my dad's co-workers decided to call him, and he told to my father, hey, your son is here at the police station. And he hadn't had breakfast, and he hadn't have eaten. And his answer was that he hadn't had eaten anything either. 
So that day I felt like it didn't make sense to live. Fifteen years later, I knew that my father was living just at ten minutes from my house. And he never stopped by. Because, like I say, he never wanted to take care of me. As a result of that, I had to walk around six kilometers every day to go to my school with my broken shoes. I had to ask my neighbor for cans of soda in exchange for bread and milk at the grocery store to eat the only meal of the day. And I didn't have a bed to sleep on. I had to sell juice on the street. And everything because my father was never there to support me. So I came into the compassion program because my mom was desperate and she didn't know what to do. In a Christian school that she used to work, they had a compassion program. And she applied for and they accepted me. And from that time, everything changed in my life. Because I am through Compassion International, decided to say, yes, I want to sponsor Gerald Lorenzo from the Dominican Republic. My first bet was gift by Compassion when I was 12, uh, 11 years old. And that was the first time that my brother and I were able to sleep in a bed. But there are, like, something more. My brother, my mother, and I accepted Jesus Christ through Compassion International. And now my mom, she is a co-pastor in a church in the Dominican Republic. My brother, he plays the piano in the same church. And he is working as an external host for Compassion International in the Dominican Republic. So we are a great example that a whole family can be changed just sponsoring a child. So my sponsor, Brian Bilson, he is from London, United Kingdom. And I never met him. But he was always in communication with me through letters. And we create a bond of a family, a bond of a father and son that I have never knew before. When my father didn't call me, my sponsor was always writing a letter for me saying, happy birthday, Gerald, and saying, we are thinking in you. So what is happening now is, that my life is not a roller coaster anymore. I am married to a beautiful woman from the Dominican Republic. And our first baby girl, she was born just a week ago. And I'm excited because I'm not going to repeat the same story as my father. Because one day a man through compassion say. Yes. 
So, to have Jesus in my life changed everything until today. Everything until today. Today, I have a bachelor degree in business management, thanks to Compassion International. I have a certification in Christian leadership. I have a certification in public policy process. And I am the youth leader of my church. So, I want to conclude because let me, let me tell you something. I have just one photo with my father. And it was two years ago that God allowed me to go to my father's house and forgive him. So at the end, I can conclude that when you sponsor a child, you are not only sponsoring a child. You are changing a life, you are changing a family, and you are changing an entire generation. In my life, the difference was Jesus. Is Jesus and always will be Jesus Christ. God bless you so much. Come on, City of Life. Wow. Wow. Can somebody say amen today? Amen. What a powerful, what a powerful story. Today, we have an opportunity uh, as a church, and we're going to do something. This has been a great weekend so far. Compassion has been here, uh, and they've set up tent out there uh, to kind of show people and take them through the process of what, what it looks like uh, to sponsor a child and what many of these situations look like in, in the countries that they reach out to. And today, I'm going to ask a question um, of how many people here would like to pray for a child. And we have team members that are here today, and they're going to pass some of these packets out so that you can kind of take a look. My family, uh, we sponsor a child in DR, to, actually two kids in DR, one is on the refrigerator and one is in the living room, uh, and, and we take turns writing letters. This has been a life-changing experience for my family um, over the last couple of years, and I would just like to ask right now if, if you're here and you would like to pray for a child today. We're not going to ask you to make a commitment right now. But if you want to pray for a child in this service, we're going to have a prayer right now. Our team is going to go around and pass these out. Just lift your hand if you would like to pray for a child today. If you're kind of moved for that. And our team is going to, every person that lifts their hand, you're going to receive a packet that you can take a look at today. And uh, my beautiful wife is going to lead us in a prayer uh, today. And there's several hands here in the center section right there toward the back all over the place and the power uh, of what we are about to do here yeah. uh, of, of having compassion showing compassion demonstrating uh, compassion toward these kids uh, cannot be overstated and the the spiritual power that is in it the practical power yeah. that is in it you know the bible talks about what good does it do 
if you go to someone and you say, I'm, I have no place to sleep, I'm hungry, I'm desperate in need, and someone says to you, God bless you, be at peace. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? If, you're, if you need something, uh, how, it's not very helpful for someone just to say, God bless you. Yeah. You need someone to, you need the spiritual side, but then you need someone to come alongside of you and to help you uh, yeah. when you're destitute. And we're talking about kids. Every one of these kids in these packets that are being passed out right now. Every one of these kids are in desperate situations. I want you to look at their names. Yeah. I want you to look at their faces. I want you to see the destiny. Uh, this young man, Gerald, that, that shared today, what a, what a humble, wonderful young man this is. Did you see how excited he got at the end when he's talking about all that God is doing in his life? Uh, and you know what's amazing is the destiny that is on the lives of each one of these kids will be untapped. They'll never realize it unless someone reaches out and makes a difference. And that's what we're going to do today. Uh, we are going to make a difference. So if there's anyone else left and, and you say, I want to pray for a child, just lift your hand real quick. Make sure that our team sees you. Would there be anyone else? And then Pastor Amy is going to pray. And I believe that God is going to move today. I just want to share um, just two quick thoughts that, you know, the Bible in the last part of the ministry of Jesus, one of his instructions to the disciples, which if you are a follower of Jesus, we are now those disciples. Amen. One of his final instructions is he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And, you know, I think about the fact like a Sunday like this represents us as a church family having an opportunity to do just that, to go into all the world. Maybe we physically can't go. Maybe it doesn't work with our schedules. Maybe it's just not the right season or time in our life, but this is an opportunity that we can be part of those laborers. The Bible says the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. But today we get to be a part of being those laborers. And also I think about the ministry of Jesus over and over again when there was a need when a miracle needed to take place, Jesus physically laid hands on people. That point of contact brought about a miracle. And today you have those packets in your hand. And I don't want you to take this moment lightly. This can be a very spiritual moment. If you enact your faith as you are holding those packets, read those names. Like my husband said, look at their little faces. Think about the lives that they live. And let's just use this moment in faith to believe that God's gonna do a miracle in each and every one of their lives. Can we pray together? Lord, we just thank you for today. Lord, what an opportunity we have as a church family to partner with such a beautiful ministry like Compassion. Yes. Lord, we don't take this lightly. Lord, we look at these packets that are in our hands. Maybe we could just say their names individually out loud. I know our sponsor children one is Edgar and one is Ashley. Lord, we just lift each and every one of these little babies up to you, God. Lord, that they each have a significant purpose, God. There's greatness, there's destiny in each of their lives. And Lord, I thank you that compassion is an opportunity, that the, the program of compassion is an opportunity to meet their practical needs so that the hope of Jesus could be made known. And Lord, we pray that today, each and every one of these kids, that they would have a sponsor. Lord, $35 a month can change 
their future. And if we're not the ones to do so, Lord, that we would just ask that somebody would feel that tug on their heart. Somebody would feel the move of the Holy Spirit to be able to stand in the gap, God, and be that conduit for what your purpose is in their lives, God. Lord, we thank you for their lives, that they would see your affirmation, God, that those who are on the ground with boots on the ground, God, that they would be those laborers that would show them the love of Jesus. Lord, strengthen those laborers, strengthen those workers, God. Let their lives, Lord, show your compassion and love in everything they do, Lord. We just thank you for this day, God, and bless those children in Jesus' name. And all who agree, full of faith. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you guys. Amen. Well, um, this morning, in case you're wondering, you know, what do you have to do? What does City of Life have to do with compassion? Uh, Nothing other than that we love them and support them. And we believe that they're doing a great job in the world. And we want to partner with them in the sense of we want you to see their vision and we want to see you want we want you to see what they're accomplishing uh, in the world and and there's really we don't have any part of it uh, the connection that is made with compassion and the way our people uh, sponsor with them it's not through us to them it's directly to them uh, so they're an organization that has proved their faithfulness over the years and we believe in them very much uh, so today I'm gonna uh, with, with this idea of compassion in mind I want to take a look at uh, for, I want to take a look at Luke chapter 10. Uh, verses 25 through 37. And it says, we're going to put this up on the screen. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus, a lawyer. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, what is written in the, in the law? How do you read it? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the response of the lawyer. When Jesus said, how do you read it? This guy repeats back to him the summarization of the Ten Commandments, which is actually correct. And Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, the Bible says. So he kind of asks a philosophical question, this lawyer. He said, oh, and who is my neighbor? So if I'm supposed to love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, and love my neighbor as myself. He says, well, who is my neighbor? And kind of the point he was making is I'm a Jew. My neighbor is, is a Jew. And if I ever don't treat someone like my neighbor, it's only the people that don't deserve it. You following me? Yeah. So he was trying to justify. It says trying to justify himself. He was trying to justify any ungodly behavior he would have. He feels like is unjustified because... According to Jewish law, I only need to treat Jews like my neighbor. And so it says, in reply to this idea of who is my neighbor, Jesus said, here's the story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man. He passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, 
brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Okay, so now Jesus tells this story. Listen to what he says back to this lawyer. He says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. I want to talk to you for three or four minutes here today on an idea about compassion. Okay? So in this story, we have this lawyer who is asking Jesus what he must do to inherit eternal life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Jesus says, okay, look, dude, you already got it figured out. You came and asked me a question. You already know the answer to, uh, bravo, bravo, great job. But in the way that Jesus does things, he's going to get to the heart of the issue. So the guy's fatal flaw is he asks a follow-up question, who is my neighbor? And, and as I mentioned before, his whole point is I've only obviously got to be nice to the people who deserve it. I don't need to be nice to people that don't deserve it. That's where we come up into this idea of a Samaritan. And I think for us to hear this story about a, a Samaritan in modern times, maybe it throws us off a little bit because when we hear the word Samaritan, we think of a good person, of a really nice person. But in the Jewish context, Samaritans were people that were hated by Jews. Why? Many, many years ago, Jews intermarried with Assyrians who were the enemies of Israel. And that's where Samaritans came from. They were considered half-breeds by Jewish people. They were also considered to have polluted the Jewish religion. They had their own version of the Bible, and they did their own kind of take on the Bible. And Jews thought they were the lowest, most despicable kinds of people in the world. In Jewish culture, if you were to talk about a Samaritan, no one would get warm and fuzzy feelings. It was like the enemy. It would be almost as if someone were using the analysis of like, ISIS or something like that to you. I'm just trying to think of an idea that would just ruffle your feathers when you heard it. This is the kind of idea that a Samaritan was. And in this story, you got this person that is beaten, that is robbed, that is left for half dead, laying in the middle of the street. The first person that walks by that could help him in the story is a priest. Now remember, the idea is who is my neighbor? That's the question. Who is my neighbor? The first guy that walks by that could help is a priest, okay? He doesn't help. He just sidesteps the person that is in need. The second person that walks by is a Levite. Now, in Israel, Levite was a tribe, one of the 12 tribes of Israel that came from Levi. All priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests. So Levites did, though, perform certain duties in the church, but not all of them were priests. So you would think that Jesus was sort of slamming ministry by saying that a priest sidestepped the guy that was in need and then a Levite sidestepped the guy that was in need. And you would think that if he went on and just the last person was an ordinary Jew, but no. Jesus chooses a Samaritan. And the Samaritan is this person that I talked about just a second ago that was sort of an enemy or a very hated low-level person on the, on the scale of, of what's important. Now, before I kind of get to the heart of this message, let's look at something really quick. Uh, it says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to the, where the man was, and we saw, when he saw him, he took pity on him. 
this is the Greek word, splonknitsamai. Okay, the only reason I can pronounce that is it's in my book. Okay, <laughs> I wrote about this this uh, in Jesus first, Jesus always. This is the word. Have you ever heard something that is so sweet or so heartbreaking that it literally makes your stomach flip upside down? Have you ever heard? Have you ever seen something that that touched you so much that you felt it in your gut? That's what this word means. This is, that's what this word took pity means. Did you know that this word, splonklitzamai, is used 12 times in the New Testament? 10 of those times, it's Jesus having compassion on the crowds that were following him and his stomach turning upside down or having compassion on someone that says, hey, will you heal me? Is it, is it okay? Do you, do, you know, do, do you mind healing me? And Jesus going, oh, you have no idea. I want to heal you so bad. It's killing me that you're even asking me that. That's the kind of compassion that this is talking about. Ten times it's in reference to Jesus. One time it's used in the prodigal son story where the father sees the son running back and has compassion and his heart flips upside down. This is the last time that it's said. Every other time it's said about God. It's said about Jesus. Except this story. Now in this story, the Samaritan, his heart flips upside down when he sees this broken person laying half dead in the middle of the street. And... You would think about this story and you would kind of think to yourself, well, what is this story about? What is Jesus trying to teach this guy? You know, is, is he trying to make the guy think, well, am I the priest? Am I the, the Levite? Am I the Samaritan? Which one am I? And I think that many times when we hear the story, we think the same thing. Which one am I? Am I the priest? Am I the Levite? Or am I the Samaritan? But maybe we're kind of missing something if that's the question that we ask. Maybe we're missing the fact that in this story, the person who shows that kind of compassion, whose heart is flipped upside down, every other time in scripture that we find someone's heart flipped upside down, it's not us. It's actually Jesus. Maybe there's another person in the story that we should begin to see ourselves as. Rather than saying, am I the priest? Am I the Levite? Am I the Samaritan? Maybe we should realize that there's another character in the story and that's the person that has been left for dead on the side of the road. And maybe when we start to see the fact that without God, we are the one that has been left for dead. We're the one that has been stripped. We're the one that has been robbed. There is only one person in our life that we have ever known that has stopped and showed us compassion. And the Bible calls Jesus a man that was despised. Jesus chose a person in the story, a person that was so despised that when he asked him, which one showed mercy? The guy couldn't even say the Samaritan because he hated Samaritans so much. He said the one that showed mercy. Jesus is that despised person that no one would choose to help them. But he is the one who found us in our brokenness. And when everyone stepped aside, he is the one who stopped. He healed us. He found us. He saved us. He paid money out of his own pocket to take us off the street and to get us a better life. Jesus is the one who has helped us. And I just want to end with this idea here today that a guy named Robert Wuthno, who is a sociologist from Princeton, he did a study on compassion, not the organization, but the concept of compassion. And what he found 
is that the people in this world that are the most likely to give compassion are people who have experienced compassion. There's a guy named Jack Casey who is a, a paramedic. And when he was young, he was having a surgery. And he was so scared during his surgery, his hands were shaking. And a nurse was standing right beside him and he said, I'm scared. And she said, don't worry, darling. I'm gonna stand here with you through this whole thing. When you go out, I'm gonna be here. When you wake up, I'm gonna be here. And did you know that when he went out, the first thing he saw when he woke up is that woman that was holding his hand. And did you know that Jack Casey, as a paramedic, has devoted his life through his job, when someone is hurting or someone is scared, he holds their hand and he stands right beside them. It's been part of his career that he tells them, don't you worry about a thing. I'm here with you. If you go out, I'm gonna stand here and when you wake up, I'm gonna be here. And he has made it the purpose of his occupation and his life to be there for people the way someone was there for him. My point to you today, why do we show compassion? We show compassion because Jesus has already shown compassion to us. You're the one, I'm the one that's broken, bloody, abandoned. My challenge to you today is to make sure you realize that you've already been rescued. So now who are you going to rescue? This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.